Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the daily Bible teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence in my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side by side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis, and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Cameron. Thank you, Reverend Stanford. Thank you so much. Now I want you to turn with me to the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews. As we go into this wonderful book, we know that it is a comparison between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, or rather, Old Testament and New Testament. Not, therefore, the 39 books versus the 27, not at all. Now, we know this, that a covenant is a contract. In the Word of God, they are made by God and man. Some of them are conditional, some of them are unconditional. Those that are unconditional are depending upon God's faithfulness, and God says, I will. Man just believes, and it's his. But then there are the conditional contracts or covenants that depends upon man's faithfulness and the blessings of God or man if, therefore, he does what God tells him to do. For he said, if thy will, then I will bless thee. God, therefore, takes the children of Israel who are his by an unconditional covenant, by the covenant that he made with Abraham. 430 years later, they're in Egypt. And he brings them up, and then in nearly two years, he makes what we know as the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law, the Mosaic Covenant upon Mount Sinai. Now, it has 700 and some odd laws. It is a conditional a contract, a conditional covenant. God says, I'll bless you in the land. It's yours. I've given it to you through the Abrahamic Covenant 430 years before. But I give you blessings in the land if you obey my voice. There in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, we find all of the blessings God says in the first 14 verses, what he will give to them if they obey the law of God. Then for the rest of the chapter 15 through 68 are the curses upon them if they do not obey the law. Now, they're still God's, God's holy people. The land has been theirs, although they've been out of it, for 1,900 years, that's what we call not possessing your possessions. 
And we're told to possess our possessions. It's a different thing in it, to own something and not even possess it and use it. And therefore, we know that uh, the people, because they broke God's law, he said, I will therefore scatter you to the four corners of the earth. And there in morning you say, would God it were even? And in evening you would say, would God it were morning? And we have seen that has been the plight of Israel all the time. One of the greatest judgment of God upon Israel was around 606 B.C. We find out that the ten upper tribes had already been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Then 115 years later, 606 B.C., here comes Nebuchadnezzar. He makes two deportation of God's people. He sends them off and puts up a puppet king to rule. Eleven years later, the man tried to throw off the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian captivity. And what did we find? We find here comes Nebuchadnezzar and Ezekiel, who is in Babylon, pleads with Israel, though he's away from them, nearly 500 miles away. He pleads for them to obey uh, Nebuchadnezzar, said, let him come and take over. Come into the land, then you'll come back. You'll come back and possess the land. Jeremiah is living during this time also. He is in the land. He is in the great city of Jerusalem, and he begs them, said, Nebuchadnezzar is my servant, and I'm, I'm using him to chastise you. But now surrender to him, and then you can come back to your lot, to your possession in 70 years. But you know, they thought they knew more about God, so they resisted Nebuchadnezzar, and he destroyed the city, he destroyed the sanctuary, he destroyed the palaces, he destroyed everything of Jerusalem and, and of Judah. That was a terrible plight, and took the rest of the people whom he did not kill into Babylon, the rest of them. There they are, away from God, away from the land, and a great, great judgment is upon them. Now, this is what they got for not obeying the old covenant. They're God's people, but yet they're not possessing their possession. The Old Testament, with its 724 laws, never promised salvation. You cannot find it in there. God never made a bad man good nor a good man better by the 724 laws. The laws were given to bring them and to shut their mouth that they might glorify God. Many of them said, we are saved, we are God's people, we are Jews, we are Israelites, and if there is a heaven, we'll go there because we are God's chosen people. God gave the law to shut their mouth. The Gentile mouth has already been stopped, for we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, without God and without hope in this world. But now with Israel, with the Jews, but we who are far off have made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now this whole book, therefore, is showing the difference between, therefore, the Old Testament and a new one that God said he was going to make. The old just guarantee for obedience it uh, therefore offered blessing in the land. Never heaven, never sins forgiven. Sins covered, sins atoned for, and, uh, but never washed away. Now, at this time of the siege, there is Jeremiah in Jerusalem, and there in the 31st chapter, in the 31st verse, he began to say, The time's come, saith the Lord. Now, you are indeed fulfilling the judgment that therefore God said that he'd pour out upon you if you'll break his law. Now, that law has been done away with. It has been done away, and a new has been established. The time has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant 
a new testament with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, when I took them up by the hand, when I took them out, out of Egypt, which covenant they break. It's gone. It was a conditional covenant depending upon Israel's faithfulness. So a new one has taken. But here God says, And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more forever. Salvation to Israel. Salvation to the Gentiles who come under the blessing of this great covenant through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Son of God came and died for our sins, paying for them to the fullest, every one of them, and after being dead, rose again the third day. Now, as we find here, that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus, the good news, the glad tidings, that no matter how far down deep in sin we are, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God has told us there in Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And God also tells us the wages of sin is death. We're all going around before we were saved, condemned to God, Yes, convicted by the Holy Spirit with the wrath of God upon us, looking for judgment, not to see whether we shall be saved or lost, but to see what kind of condemnation degree of punishment would have in hell. But all the grace of God, all the grace of God, how we praise God. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that he that we through his poverty might be made rich. The Son of God, from all time and eternity, therefore the Word of God says he took not upon himself the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham. For what purpose? Sprang out of Judah, as caught into the flesh of the seed of David, to be the Savior of the world and to die for us, to pay for our sins, to be our substitute, to be the Lamb of God upon which all of our sins were placed, and he paid for them. The just, dying for the unjust, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, made alive, resurrected by the Spirit, by which we draw nigh unto God. Here is a background. We begin to find out this, that there are those of the Old Testament, there is Christ of the New, that we begin to find out that Christ is greater than the prophets of the Old Covenant. We find out this, that he is greater than the angels who then gave it from God to Moses, who gave it to the people. He is greater than Moses, the great mediator of the old covenant, because he is a mediator of the new covenant. He is greater than Aaron, who was the first high priest under the law, because he has been made a priest after the order of Melchizedek, an unchangeable priesthood, the other is a changeable priesthood. It is at an end. Oh, God said, yes, you'll be my priest forever if you keep my law. But they broke the law. And for 2,000 years, Israel has not had a temple, has not had a, a priest, has not had a kapura, a sacrifice for an atonement. God says this, that he has done away with the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And if the sinner comes away and with his unbelief does away with the sacrifice of the new which is Jesus Christ there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin there's no sacrifice for sin God's done away with the sacrifice of the blood of bulls and goats and the sinner in his rejection of Yeshua HaMashiach the Lord Jesus Christ therefore has nothing to look for but hell itself 
Now that's the background. And look up above there in the 12th chapter in the last verse. For our God is a consuming fire. Israel found that out. Sinners find that out. This is one of the uh, definitions of God. God is spirit. God is light. God is love. God is a consuming fire. Four definitions of God. God is love. God is spirit. Oh, here we find out now, this last one that we don't mention too much. God is a consuming fire. Yes, he's love, light. He is spirit. He is a consuming fire. Well, then, therefore, we are his children. God will avenge us. Yes, he will. Do not try to avenge yourself. Never. The Word of God says, you are taking one brother before the lost judge and condemning him. Do you not have a, a church where you can get together and therefore bring up accusation and settle this without going before the lost man? But you say, I will be defrauded. Well, be defrauded then. It's rather be defrauded than to make Christ an open shame. Oh my, but I've got to get my vengeance. Uh oh, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And all through the word of God, we find out that God says that he will avenge the widows and he will avenge the orphans. They're all of his charge. And then the Lord Jesus, therefore, taking them and seeing a bird lying down. He says, my, my, see the bird. Now, one of them can fall, but that your father knoweth altogether. Aren't you so much better than birds? Think not what you shall eat or drink for tomorrow. Oh, my, your father knoweth what things you have need of before you even ask him. Any marvelous son know God as our father. That's such a beautiful song. Our young men sang, oh, so wonderful to know him. Our God is a consuming fire. Now we right there in the 13th chapter says, Let brotherly love continue. Let vengeance be his. Oh yes, God says this in the second Thess Thessalonians, the first chapter, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and be revealed with his uh, angels with flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That's his. The Lord Jesus, when he was here, and when he first presented himself to his own people in the synagogue, after he had been baptized, after he was in the wilderness 40 days, we find out that he took Isaiah 61 and began to read. And he read this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one to preach the gospel to the poor, to announce the acceptable year of the Lord. And at that moment, he stopped, wrote up the scroll, sat down, said, Today has this scripture been fulfilled in your ear. He didn't finish the rest of it. And the day of vengeance of our God, he'll do that when he comes a second time. Oh, yes. He'll not come the, uh, the second time as the lowly Nazarene, the man that will not lift up his voice nor be cried. Here is cry in the street. He shall come in vengeance to show to us who's the only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And therefore, let us not be God's executioners among the brethren. That's one of the things is It's so wonderful to let God do it. The Word of God says, Judge not another man's servant. To his own master he standeth or falleth. 
Amen. I don't see how he can get by with that. Well, you just wait. He won't get by with it. If he's born again. If you be without chastisement, then are ye illegitimate children, bastards, the Word of God said. No, no one can get by in sinning after he's saved. We do not believe in sinless perfection, but this is it. Should we sin that continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Not at all. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Oh, brother, have I got it ever since I've been saved. And I'm praise the Lord. It's hard. In all things and everything, give thanks. Even in chastisement, give the Lord thanks because you know you're his. Amen. Boy, I didn't get by with that. I've gotten by with several things of my own parents. Never got by with God. <laughs> Any wonderful, amen. Now it says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Boy, we, we don't know what that is, do we? For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Do you believe that's That's what it said. Angels, that's what it said. We find that Abraham entertained two angels, did he not? Men. Angels who came in and pers uh, personified bodies certainly did. Bot saw them. Oh, yes, we find out that's just what God says. Oh, we're so scared today. We have, we have burglar alarms on every window. We do. I guess you do, too. We have everything you can think of. Anybody touch anything in our house? Boy, hey, look out. I'm telling you, you're scared them to death. I have everything mounted by machine gun. I don't have that, you know. But you know what? Oh, we're so scared. Oh, my, we're afraid to death if anybody comes to the door. Oh, my, we have to peep out, see out, talk to them through the window. That's a terrible commentary upon the day and we're living. That's true. But God says entertain strangers. Some of the greatest times I've ever had have been into cities that knew me not one bit. I remember I was up here in the northern part of the state. My family, we were up there. We went to prayer meeting one night. When we got through, a man came up to me and says, I'm the chairman of the board of He said, do you have a place to stay? I said, we were going down here to the motel. He said, don't do that. Come out to my house. I've never had that in my life. I was no angel either. Amen. But you know what? <laughs> well, let me tell you, he entertained strangers right then and there. Remember them that are in bonds, that are in prison, as though you were suffering with them. And uh, them that suffer adversities, oh my, so many people are. The loss of loved ones, the loss of wealth, the loss of health, the loss of jobs. Oh my, therefore, here let our heart go out with them. And them that suffer adversities as uh, being yourselves also in the body, that you are suffering the same thing. Marriage is honorable. The approval of God is upon man and woman to know each other as husband and wife and have children because God gave that to Adam and Eve before they ever sinned. And we find out this, that children are the heritage of the Lord. As arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of his youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. That's what God said. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. It's got God's blessing upon it. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge, don't you? That's great. Let your conversation. Now we find in the Word of God it means sometimes speech. Other times it means citizenship. For our conversation, our citizenship is not here upon earth, but in heaven from whence we look for the coming of the Lord Jesus, who shall change these vile bodies that they may be fashioned like unto his most glorious body. My, then we find out this, that another, it says, manner of living. Your life, your Christian life. 
Oh, living the Christian life is your vocation. That's your life for me to live Christ. I no more live, but Christ liveth in me. Be imitators of God and walk as dear children, even as Christ also gave us an example, giving himself as a odor of sweet-smelling savor. And God says, let your conversation, your man of life, be without covetousness. We know what that means. And we are told in the Word of God, covetousness is nothing but idolatry. Oh, brother, when I see these cars and so forth, somebody say, you're coveted. No, I want one just like it. Amen. I don't want that one. But I want one that I don't believe that that is covetousness when you won't want something like it, but not it. Okay. And be content with such things as ye have. Oh, brother, this is wonderful preaching, but it's hard living, isn't it? Man, more many times I've gotten up there without a single piece of toast to eat in the morning, without an egg and everything, hungry. Oh, I've done that so many times. I've gotten up to preach many times, and that have it. Be content with such thing you have. Oh, my. The Lord says this. In this one, he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. These are the words taken over there from Joshua. After Moses dead, when the Lord said unto Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, get up. You're going to lead the people into the promised land. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. Around uh, 16 years ago now, there came a traumatic experience in my life and my family where we had everything taken away. Every single thing. Job. We'd already given away our furniture. We didn't have any furniture. We had nothing but clothes. And we did have a car that was paying on, but no job to pay for that car. Everything. Oh, my. For 30 minutes, I really, really could not understand. It was a shock. Completely. Completely. 100%. Dependent upon God. And the scripture says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. What makes the scriptures so real? When we have to live them. When you have no one else but the Lord. No friend. No bank account. Just the Lord. He's sufficient. Let me tell you, we may be speaking to those here that are discouraged as the prospects right now of your marriage, of your church relationship, of your job, hell. I remember for 30 minutes, I, I was so numb when all of this happened at one time, and I had nothing like Job, but I could understand how Job felt when, therefore, he found out his children were gone, and then his sheep were gone. And then all of his cattle was gone, his houses burned. He had no one else but the Lord. My, after 30 minutes, I said, Lord, I know Romans 8.28 is still in the book. Lord, what is it? I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And the Holy Spirit said, look at that in the original. And I did say, says, I will never abandon thee, nor give thee up. Oh, praise the Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. 
Oh, then that's when the scripture that we found out, when God says, have God's faith, therefore believing that you have already received it, and ye shall have it. Right then there we went upon faith as never before in the Lord. He has never left us. I will never leave thee as I was with Moses, as I was with Joshua, as I was with David, as I was with Paul, as I have been with the great men of old, I will be with you. This is God speaking to his children. I'll never leave you. Oh, we may have left him. We may have deserted him. We may have turned our back upon the brethren. We may, therefore, not do what God continues to tell us to do about those who give us the precious word of God. We may have left our first love like the church at Ephesus, strong, cruel, cruelly strong, fundamental, which I am, conservative, which I am. But he said, I have somewhat against thee. You have left, not lost, your first love. I will never leave thee. Many times we desert him. I will not. The song says, I will not desert to thy foes. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And he's one that will do it. Man will. Remember them which have the rule over you, has spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, their manner of living. And the 17th verse, Obey them that have the rule over you. Now this is not talking about kings and queens and presidents. This is talking about the things of the Lord. This is talking about the things of the church. Oh, we do look to our pastor here and, under, and his associates for to give us the precious word of God that we may grow thereby. Oh, to the milk of the word. And after we are stronger, then the, the pablum of the word. And after that, strong meat. And that belongs to them that of age. What we need we look to our pastors, therefore, as being the shepherds, and, you know, the qualification of a good shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd uh, always takes care of his sheep. And when one gets hurt, he therefore mends their hurts. And then we find out this, that he knows when and where the good grazing places are. And that he knows where the fresh flowing waters will slake the thirst. A pastor is not one who says, I'm going to be a pastor. He's one that's called and ordained of God for this great office. And oh, how we do need to lift up our pastors in their work there as they go to the Word of God and they study the Word of God and as they give forth what the Holy Spirit has given them through much study and trial. God says, therefore, there must be the one, do you believe in plurality of pastors? Oh, I believe in having a pastor with many associates that we have here. Do you ever see a flock of sheep with two shepherds? No. Always one. Amen. 
And therefore, this is what God says, My, let's therefore have that little respect for those that are over us. Why? Oh, my, because therefore, they're going to have to give an account unto God for us. Did you know that? What? What? <laughs> investment that the Lord has given us. Not only has He entrusted us with the gospel and we're giving it out all the time, but He's entrusted us as pastors with the sheep of His flock. Oh, He's given us these sheep that we may take care of them. For we must give an account unto God for everyone that is under our supervision. A young man who graduated from Mr. Spurgeon's church around five or six years came there. He had a little church around 50. He was indeed a very smart student and a very good preacher at this time. Just seemingly that the Lord had him on the backside of the desert. And I found out when God does that, praise the Lord, the testing is for the blessing, for the blessings are going to come. And so he asked for an interview with Mr. Spurgeon when he came. Mr. Spurgeon was so glad to see him. He's one of his faithful students. He said, I just cannot understand it. When I was here with you, you know the good grades that I made at your college? Yes. And he said, you know, I preached everywhere? Yes. He said, since I've graduated, I have a church. And said, there's another, you know, so-and-so, yes. He said, he barely got through, yes. Well, he's been in his church for the length of time, but he has 500, and I only have 50. What is the meaning of that? His work seems to grow and grow and grow, and mine just seems to be stagnant. Oh, what is the matter? Mr. Spurgeon said, young man, you ought to praise the Lord that you only have 50 sheep to give an account unto God at the judgment seat of Christ instead of 500. Yes, pastors, whether it's small or large, must therefore take care of the flock as God has given to them. And it says, watch their conversation. They are the ones who we are looking to as far as the giving of the glorious gospel by which people can be saved. Their manner of living, their separation of their life before us, we'll look into them. There are our examples. Absolutely. Where can we go? But to our leaders, and they, they are going among us in prayer. In study, in concern for the lost, in diligent looking after those that are ill, that's our pastor. And said, let us do the same thing, although we may not be the pastor, but therefore God would have us, therefore, to walk after them. Paul says, walk as I walk. He wasn't being boastful at all. And he has said on one occasion, I labored more abundantly than they're all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What is their end of their conversation, their end of life? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have occupied therein. We have an altar under the new covenant now. And you know, under the old covenant, the Old Testament there, the priest ate off the altar of the peace offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering. The brazen altars where they brought their sacrifices. We have an altar also of the new covenant 
We have laws, too, of the new covenant. They're found there in First John, the third chapter. First, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, that you love one another. There it is. That's a whole sum, summation of the new covenant. Listen to this. Now, as there was the brazen altar with its sacrifice and with its priesthood, with this law, so therefore we have our sanctuary, and our sanctuary is in heaven, for Moses copied after the pattern in heaven. And we have a sacrifice, we certainly do, and that sacrifice is nothing else but Jesus Christ himself. And the brazen altar is a cross of the Lord Jesus Christ upon which he died for our sins. And then he rose again the third day. Now listen to this, we have an altar which they have no right which served the tabernacle of the old covenant, that ate of the sheep and ate of the lambs and ate of the bullocks. But oh, what do we feast of? We feast of the Lamb of God. Oh, taste of the Lord and see that He is good. Ah, there's nothing like knowing the Lord that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection being made conformable unto His death and the fellowship of His suffering. But listen to this. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat. We serve the tabernacle. They are the old. We are the new. We don't want to go back and, and feed upon the old uh, things of the law. Not at all. We are on the grace and the mercy of God Almighty. Now it says this on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, when the blood first of the bullock was shed there and some of the blood was taken into the Holy of Holies for to make atonement for the high priest. Then two he goats that the lot was cast, and one therefore was slain, and uh, some and uh, some of his blood was then taken to the holy holies, put upon the mercy seat for the atonement of all Israel. Then the live he goat was taken to the wilderness to be therefore the scapegoat. The only way that you can show the death, burial, and resurrection as a type in animals is to have two: one slain, one uh, risen. Now listen. These two animals that were slain, the bullock for the high priest and the he-goat for the people, after they had died, shed their blood, they were dragged out of the city and taken outside the gate and put upon the ash heap out there, Calvary. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. And outside that gate is still Mount Moriah. It's still, though it's not part of the temple proper where these other sacrifices were, but it's part of Mount Moriah, the part of the sacrifice that David had bought. And outside there is where they took these bodies and they burned them and turned them to ashes. It's the same spot where the Lord Jesus was taken and placed there upon the cross of Calvary, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people, set us apart with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Praise God that he died, died alone. Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Spoken in the 22nd Psalm. They parted my garment and cast lot for my vesture. Psalm 22. They pierce my hands and my feet, Psalm 22, outside the gate, outside the gate. That's where he suffered. Now, what about us? Let us go, therefore, unto him. 
Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, the twelfth chapter. We can never get away from my blessed Savior. And let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp. Serving the Lord is the most lonely life in the whole wide world. It's outside the gate. It's outside the camp. The world does not acclaim. The world denounces our Savior. The world denounces His precious blood. The world denounces His glorious bodily resurrection. They deny His virgin birth. They deny His deity. He's outside. So what are we to do? Let us go outside the camp bearing His reproach. God forgive us that we should boast in anything save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was their weapon of uh, capital punishment. Who would say today, I glory not in anything but the electric chair. I glory not in anything but the hangman's noose. I glory not in anything but the firing squad. That's the instruments we use for capital punishment. This was used for capital punishment by the Romans. Terrible. Usually three days it took a man to die. Our Lord died in six hours. They didn't take his life from him. He said, no man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. But we are going on the outside of the camp, aside from the world, and bear his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Our life is Christ. Whatever we do is for his honor and for his glory. No wonder he becomes so real to you when we come to these times of failure, when he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So let's not forsake him at all. Let's go on the outside. And whatever the cost may be, not to get saved, but because we are saved. And bear his reproach. A sinner is never asked to bear the reproach of the Lord Jesus. They're already bearing their reproach. But you can have your reproach taken away by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for you and rose again from the dead. And let me tell you, since we have trusted Him, He's real, and He's given to us the blessed Holy Spirit, by why, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Oh, we know we've been born again. We are a new creation. Something has happened. I've been made partaker of the divine nature. For a while I'll have this old nature too, but I'll shed that one these days. And I shall be like Him. For I shall see him as he is. But in the meantime, our Lord is worthy of all devotion. Our Lord is worthy of all sacrifice. For the time being, our Lord is worthy, if it's death, to serve him, to be with him and bear his reproach. God forbid that we should glory. Save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world is crucified unto us and we unto the world. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus to us 
who are saved. Let me tell you, it's the Lord Jesus Christ to you who are not saved. This is your hour. Oh, my. Yes, He gives you eternal life. He gives you a home in heaven. He'll give your sins forgiven and paid for. But He offers you a cross. If you take Him, to you who know Him, He says, take up your cross daily and follow Him. It's outside the camp. It's bearing His reproach. But to gather with the brethren in the local assembly with our pastor, we are going to do that. To let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He's worthy of all things. We have Him. He's marvelous. With joy unspeakable and full of glory what Christ has done for us, what He's done for others, He'll do for you. Shall we pray? As we pray, we want to give you this opportunity of trusting the Lord Jesus as your Savior and accepting Him. And we just want you right now, just examine yourself and see whether you be in the faith or not. And if you're not saved, the Holy Spirit will let you know. And if you're not saved and you know you're not saved and you want to be saved, be have your sins paid for, be a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be His. Oh, my, to go to heaven, to be delivered from the Antichrist, to be delivered from the tribulation to come. There's so much deliverance in our Lord. But right now we want our soul and our spirit to be cleansed. We want to be clean. God says about Israel that the iniquity of this people shall be taken away in one day. It will be taken away from you in just a moment of time when you trust in Him. It is He who has taken every sin of yours, every single sin, ones you have committed, and even your sins that you will commit. But when He died, remember all of your sins were future. The Lord Jesus became sin for us. All of your sins were rolled on Him. And He became that very sin thing itself, sin. And He died for them. He paid for them. God does not demand payment twice for the same thing. They've been paid for. This redemption, this pardon is yours. By you trusting the Lord Jesus who made this payment and His substitutionary death for you when He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then He was buried and then He rose again the third day. That's why we know that He will save us when we trust in Him, a living Savior. Tell Him so. I'm trusting You, Lord. Now, Father, we pray for these here who therefore need the Lord Jesus. We thank Thee for our many visitors, for those who love the Lord Jesus in spirit and in truth, and we pray for those who are here that know not the Lord Jesus, that they shall make this decision for Christ now. Lord, watch us. Bless us now. While every head is being bowed and every eye closed, and the best way you know how you say, yes, I'm trusting Christ today. 
I've never taken him before, but I'm taking him today as my Savior. I want to pray for you. I certainly do. No one will be come down there to have you sign anything. This is between you and the Lord. You say, yes, I'm taking Christ. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe that he died for me and paid for my sins and that he rose again the third day. And I'm trusting him and him alone. Pray for me, Dr. Cameron, I surely will. Will you just raise your hand and say, yes, I'm trusting Christ? Yes. Thank you. Are there others? Thank you so much. Are there others? Yes, I see you in the center. God bless you. Are there others? Oh, yes, several hands are going up. Yes, thank you. Are there others? I'm trusting the Lord Jesus. Pray for me, doctor. I certainly will. Will you just lift up the hand and say, I'm doing it right now. Amen. Thank you. Are there others that says, I'm doing it right now, Brother Mark. I, I really want to be saved. I want, indeed, my sins to be forgiven and paid for. Oh, thank you. Thank you, son. Yes, sir. Are there others? Pray for me. I want to be saved. Are there others? Yes. Are there others? Yes. Are there others? I'm trusting the Lord. Brother Cameron, I need prayer. Amen. Thank you. Are there others? Anyone else now, just before we have our prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we come to Thee, and we know we come outside of the camp alone unto Thee. We are Thine. <clears throat> you suffered and died and paid for our sins with our life and Thy precious blood, and You rose again. You're alive right now. And we bring these precious people to Thee who have trusted Thee as their Savior. May this be the time of their decision that they are saved by your work, not theirs. They can never earn it by any good works whatsoever. It's all of the gift and the grace of God. Oh, Father, we pray that as now we bring them before the throne of grace, and Thou hast accepted them, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out, that they shall present themselves a living sacrifice to go outside the camp where you are to walk with thee, and you have said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, but lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Bless not. Oh, may the joy unspeakable, full of glory, be their portion. We ask it in the Savior's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. 
Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for Make It Clear. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.